All right, what is up, guys? How's it going? Hope you're having a very, very good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you're coming from. And we're back for another episode of the Group Up Podcast. A very, very special episode indeed. As we draw to the end of the year, I am with a member of the Overwatch development team. And we're going to have a whole little debrief on the year that's gone by and what's to come as well. So let me introduce my guest, Jared. In fact, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell everyone who you are and what you do on the Overwatch team. Sure thing. Hi, uh, I'm Jared Noose. I'm the executive producer for Overwatch 2. Uh, so I do game strategy, team leadership, sort of like where are we going and, and how are we going to get there type stuff. On the team. Awesome. So you're like in charge of the big, big decisions. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. If, if there's a thing in the game that you really like or a thing in the game that you really don't like, uh, it's probably my fault and or you can give me credit for it. So uh, so yeah, I, I take a lot of the heat for for like anything really just just you know fire away at me very brave man and you you're very brave on twitter as well like jared will straight up come in and, and answer people's annoyed threads where they're just like i am annoyed about the game just tag jared and they're like jared why is this thing exist and you you very politely i would not have the patience you do you very politely uh actually respond to them and i kudos to you for that thank you yeah it's it's uh uh it is exhausting but the thing that i love about it is like uh, uh, I don't know, like I play games, I watch movies. Like if, if I had fired some opinion out on the internet about something and somebody that was involved in making that thing talked to me about it, I would be like geeked out of my mind. So uh, so if I can do that for people who play Overwatch, then, then that's great. Amazing, awesome to hear. Okay, so let's get into the discussion then. We're going to talk about loads of things, a real wide ranging topics. We're going to talk about monetization, PVE, reflecting on the year, the Steam launch, collaborations, and of course what to expect in the year coming up as well. But I thought we'd start with some current affairs, as it were, in Overwatch. Before we get to kind of reflective on the year, I thought we'd just talk about what's happening right now. So my first question to you, Jared, comes about the Mythic skins. Now, there's been yeah, a bit yeah. of controversy in the Overwatch community about a perceived drop in quality of the Mythic skins. People feel like, especially compared to the early seasons, like the Genji Kiriko Mythic skins, the last couple ones, the Hanzo Risa, they've kind of lacked customizability, and they just don't quite have the same oomph as the original one. So how do you guys kind of feel about the Mythic skins and, and what's going on back there? I, I don't know if I agree about the oomph factor, but uh, but I, I think uh, the, the feedback has been has been really helpful. I mean, uh, uh, something that's interesting to note is, is with Mythic skins, I don't think that there was like a, sorry, it's not that I don't think, there wasn't like a template for what they would always be. It wasn't like every Mythic will have this number of customization options, this number of colors, this blah, 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 blah. Like when I joined the team, shortly after the game launched, every mythic was kind of its own thing. And uh, uh, and I, there's a lot that I like about that idea, but like I think what's really clear is that um, uh, when things change, people will always compare it to the thing that came before it, and, and there's been frustration around it. So you know, when people say, well, you know, Mythic Orisa has like one thing that you can change and then a bunch of different colors, I'm like, well, yeah, but also like, you know, the alt has like brand new custom VFX, there's a ton of new audio, there's a bunch of voice lines and a bunch of voice modulation that like, there's a there's a lot that goes into it. So I, I you know I'm not trying to say that people who are who are upset are, are wrong or anything like that. That's that's not it at all. It's just that uh, you know one of the things that we're learning is what people are and are not excited about when it comes to mythics. And so seeing the response to you know mythic Hanzo I think was really interesting because people saw the number of customization options there and I think there was some frustration before they before they used the skin. And then after they used the skin, I think they saw kind of what we were going for. And I think the positive response to that since then has been has been generally pretty high um uh that skin is sick in my opinion uh you know orissa i think people have had had kind of more mixed feelings about 
and so for, for us, it's about just hearing what people think. If, if like literally the number of customization options is the thing that people are frustrated by, how can we do a little bit better there in the future? And we're already making adjustments to future Mythic skins based on the feedback that, that we saw kind of before Hanzo released. And then now that we're seeing kind of the response to, to Arissa, um, there, there are changes in, in the work. So, you know, I don't know if we'll ever go all in forever on the level of customization that Genji had. Like that was a really, right. really complicated skin out of the gate. Uh, but I know that we can we can provide players with more yeah. customization than, than we are now. That was going to be my kind of question, this follow-up, is that yeah. it, did you kind of set the bar too high almost? Like, should we expect yes. something more on the level of what we've gotten recently? Because I guess, to try and be fair to you guys, like you might have spent a lot of time on that one Genji Mythic because it was going to be the first Mythic, and maybe yeah. now we've been a bit, like, we expect that level of things, whereas really the Hanzo Reese are kind of more in the ilk of, is that what you can logistically make in the time between seasons? Oh yeah. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that like we only have time for like the level of customization that you'd see in Arissa. I think it's more about these skins take a long time to make. And so, you know, what you're seeing today has been in development for a long time before we really had feedback about what players liked. And so, you know, I think there's a little bit of a naive idea that, that like, you know, players will just get that these are all different and they're all customizable in some way and they're all very cool and have a lot of custom, uh, like, VFX and audio and stuff. And now what we're seeing is more more people wanting, like, number of customization options, which I get. Um, but do I think we came out of the gate a little bit hard? Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot in a skin like that. And and the thing about the Overwatch team that that is, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if the community believes, but is 100% true, is that left of their own devices, you know, everyone on the team will always try to one-up the thing that they just did. They'll always try right. to go a little bit harder and do a little bit more. And so it's about like, hey, let's find that balance of it's always amazing, but also like, you know, you don't have 7,000 customization options three years from now. It's it's right. That's the kind of balance we're trying to find. No power creep in the customization then, basically, <laughs> is what we're, what we're saying. I try, like, I, I try a lot because I want people to be able to like go home at a normal hour and have a life. I mean, yeah, kudos to you for valuing that as a developer. That's severely underrated, but that's not for this podcast to talk about. Um, I mean, yeah, so that's that's good to know. You should know that Overwatch players are going to be competitive as well. As, as the team are competitive, people are going to be like, well, my favorite character, Hanzo, didn't get eight options, but Genji did. 100%. So I think I think you guys have created a bit of a problem for yourself there. I think we underestimated that for sure. Uh, uh, the, like, as, as a person who plays a lot more Orisa than Genji or Hanzo, uh, uh, you know, I, I like the skin. But I totally get where people are coming from. It's like, oh well, I could swap out all these different things before, and now I can only change these things. Like, why is that? And so it's that that, that feedback is like it's super helpful, and just okay. understanding where our players are at is is like, yeah, you know, we we have to know so that we can do better in the future. Hello, guys, SCB here, and the Goop Up Podcast is back, and I'd like to take just thirty seconds of your time to talk to you about two quick things. Firstly, Patreon. If you enjoy the content, then please do consider supporting directly because Patreon takes only about 10% of the money you give, where YouTube and Twitch take 40 and 50% respectively. So if you'd like to support the podcast, then that is the best way to do so. Secondly, if you're someone who enjoys video essays or detailed analysis of movies, TV, or anime, then please do check out my second channel, The Soak, where I'll be making videos about those kind of topics much more frequently and where a lot of my attention will go beyond just Overwatch. It would mean the absolute world to me if you guys would check it out, but that's it for now. Let's head back to the discussion. Gotcha. Well, thank you for that one. Well, yeah. speaking on the continuing the theme of like monetization and right now, uh, sure. you guys have obviously announced Winter Wonderland and this new Winter Pass Fair, Winter Fair event pass. Now, obviously, there's great elements of it, but I'm here to address complaints. You know, I'm I'm gonna yeah. ask you the the negative parts. So a lot of people feel like a little bit hard done by when you look at how you can unlock things in the pa the premium pass that you pay for 
which is that you can't actually get all the skins that you want, even if you pay for the for the premium pass and grind right. all the tickets. It's a max of 480, uh, and each of the legendary skins costs 160, and then there's three that cost 90 each. So just doing the math, you can't get them all. And on top of that, there's other cosmetics you can't get as well. So what was behind the decision? Like, why can't we unlock everything if we've paid for the winter pass? Yeah, this this is one that, like, I'll be totally honest, like, the response has kind of surprised me. Uh, um it's understandable when when you break it down like that. I'm like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. But like, uh, step back and just think about our goals with it for a second. Our goals were, you know, when you play an event in Overwatch, uh, usually it's like, play a bunch of games, get a skin at the end. Cool, I'm moving on with my life. And uh, and what we wanted was for players to have more choice. And so it's like, well, how do we give you more choice? If, if it's, you know, uh, at the end, you get to pick from one of three things or whatever. Um, uh, and so the, the goal here was like, what if an event was still, you know, had a similar structure to what we have today, but you could pick the thing you got at the end. That's cool. And then it's like, well, what if we could give you like a menu of options to pick from, and then you could pick from some number of things and decide what you want. So if it's like, oh, I want these two skins and these other things, great. Then I, then I got the stuff that I wanted. I'm happier because I got more agency over what I was able to get than in, in a normal event. That was the, that was kind of like the goal and where we started from. Um, uh, and so kind of implicit to that is this idea that like, there's a menu of options. When you go to a restaurant, you don't say, give me everything on the menu. You'll be like, I want these two things or these three things. Cause that's what I'm, what I'm paying for. And so, uh, uh, I think we, we were probably a little bit misguided and just thinking like, oh, everyone will, will be totally cool with this. Right. Cause like, obviously you wouldn't be able to get all of these things for $5 in the game. That's like us giving, giving more away than I think we could reasonably do. Um, uh, but, but the way that we framed it was like, we put it all out there, you can't get everything. And so people are frustrated by that, which, which I get. Um, so, you know, for us, the learnings from this are like, do we want to do one of these again? If so, do we want to do it this way? If we do it in a different way, should we just do like a linear, you know, like, like event pass or, or something like that, where like you do get everything just for paying for it, but there's no choice really. It's just about like how you, how you grind it out. Um, I don't know. Um, right. the, the last thing I'll say is like. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a, we get a lot of feedback before people experience a thing, and then we get a lot of feedback after people experience a thing. Sometimes that that feedback is the same. Uh, sometimes it's not. And so, you know, we'll put we'll put the event out. We'll see how people like it once they play it and get the stuff, and then we'll, we'll make our final decision then. But at least knowing that people were frustrated by this like uh, inability to get everything that was part of the menu is is really helpful for us going forward. Right. I think from what I've seen from the player complaints, it's kind of you're right in that purely monetarily for 500 credits you're getting a legendary skin which is cheaper than on par but i think it's that play time mixed into it which is making players feel like they're kind of losing out on something because they they've paid for the pass but they're, then they're also grinding in the game and so they're grinding get these tickets but then they can't actually get everything that's on offer so it it, it is perhaps unintentionally reminiscent of like one of those fairground things where you're like oh actually i can't get all the cool toys at the top i can only get like a few of the the medium ones yeah, totally. And and like this is one of those uh, uh, areas where I think the, the Overwatch community is 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 every game community is like unique, right? They all have their own characteristics or stuff that is like totally normal and fine in some communities and like complete anathema to other communities. And, and this is one where like we thought the model was was generous. But I, I still do think the model is, is pretty generous. Like, yeah. you know, you're able to get four skins for five bucks. Like that's that's way better than than you can do normally for, for just a normal skin in the shop. But uh but we have to listen to what is unique about the Overwatch community and, and people kind of being frustrated by that is, is really helpful for us. So, and, and just to confirm, can you get the skins afterwards? Like the skins that you can, if you can't get all of them by, by playing, can they, will they arrive in the shop later? 
I, I wish I knew the answer to this question and I don't know the shops. So I, th I can't, the things that it's like, uh, you know, usually you can get the stuff in the hero gallery and then uh, uh, often we'll, we'll run stuff in the, in the shop uh, after it runs for the first time. Uh, I don't remember our exact plans for this one. I have to be totally honest. It's no the worries. end of the year. And like my brain is mush from 2023. No worries. So no, worries. no, I, I understand as a creator when it's like, I, I might dedicate my life to this game, but it doesn't mean I have the answer to every single and intricate exactly. nuance of the, of the thing. So, okay. Totally totally understand okay so the next question was probably the final one on, on specific monetization things it's one that i am kind of more personally interested in as well um which is about the hero paywalling or let's say the hero potential paywalling you can play you can paywall them um but when we you and i i've spoke, never heard that term before by the way that's that's right right so you can you can of course play and unlock them but you can also buy them and, and they're in the premium battle pass and about a year ago, when, when John, you and I had a call here, we kind of were talking about, that was when you had just roughly introduced the idea. The community was obviously very skeptical of it. Um, and a lot of the messaging around the time was something along the lines that, look, uh, we recognize that heroes are like our best product, the thing that people want to say the most. So we got to monetize them, which I think fair observers will say, okay, reasonable, you guys have to, have to monetize your game. But another aspect of that was that this messaging around Overwatch 2's launch had a lot to do with, well, counterpicking. We don't want it to really be a thing. We don't want hard, hard counters to be a thing in our game. Uh, and we've looked at the player behavior and players kind of gravitate to a few heroes and they like to play those heroes. So we want to let them play those heroes and and kind of live out their preferred experience of Overwatch 2. We've kind of moved to an area now where, you know, counter swapping, counterpicking is a real, real thing in Overwatch. You guys acknowledged this in your last dev blog. And it kind of creates this problem where your initial marketing that, or messaging, I should say, that we're, we're paywalling the heroes because we think people will get the ones they want. We're now in a situation where people will quite frequently need to swap to a hero that they don't have access to. And we're creating a potential pay-to-win advantage here, where if you don't have a certain hero, your team is requiring this chain of counter swaps, specifically on like a tank roll or something, you're kind of at a tangible disadvantage now. So yeah. I was curious as to how you guys address this because I personally am quite unhappy with it, but I'm, I'm open to hearing what you guys kind of, what your thoughts on it are. Yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts on it. The, uh, uh, you know, I, not to throw shade at past us, I think it was pretty naive to assume that, that in a game where, where, you know, you're, you're making heroes that are distinct from each other, uh, that you could avoid counter swapping in that way, especially because like, th think about our, our game as a hero based game compared to others. Like, Part of what makes Overwatch special, in my opinion, is that, you know, not only do the heroes bring life to the world and everything else, but, like, they have really sharp edges. And what I mean by that is, like, they have very unique gameplay kits that are not, like, kind of homogenous with, like, a 5% difference. Like, they are wildly distinct from each other. So, like, look at something, like, look at the look at the launch roster of heroes in Overwatch compared to the roster of heroes today and how many, like, you know, new mechanics have been added, like, Wrecking Ball exists. Uh, like, that's crazy compared to other kits in the... Everything is just... Uh, what makes them special is that they have these like pretty crazy abilities that are that are that are unique to them. And so, um, uh, to 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 make heroes like that and not expect that you would end up in a situation where, as your roster grows to 40, 50, 60 heroes, that you would then end up with some hard counters, I think I think was naive. And and I, you're seeing that in the game today, like you just said. So so take that as this initial you know, like goal that I don't think we're going to be able to succeed on. There will always be some number of counters in the game because that's how it's going to work. Um, and then look at sort of like, okay, so so take that away and where are you? Would I like for every single player to be able to experience a hero the day that a season drops? Yes. Do I think that we will get there? Yes, I do think that we will get there and we're actively working towards it right now. 
Can I talk about the details? No, I can't. But like, but I, I recognize that it's an issue and it's something that we do we do want to address in the game um, because we're not actively hitting that first goal. Um, you know, part of it is also us just making sure that like we're we're balancing that like we're free to play with fairness. So it's like, yes, obviously you can you can earn every hero. You don't have to 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 buy them. But like you said, there's this period of time then where does a team have a competitive advantage? That's one of the reasons why we want to change our model going forward uh, because it, it it doesn't feel great in a game like this that's so dependent on heroes to 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 pull people back. That's actually yeah, that's a very surprising and awesome response. So just to clarify, you're saying that look in the future, you kind of want to make it so that everyone can access new heroes on the launch of a season. That is the goal. Yes, that is the goal. Okay, I, obviously I won't pin you to like a specific commitment, but okay, it's good to know that is your goal. Uh, any thoughts for returning players? Because obviously the problem. Well, that's great for mm. current players, but there is a potential problem, especially the longer the game goes on, that like when you haven't played for a few seasons, you come back and the heroes are locked out. And it, it does actually take a little bit of time to get them, like 35 wins and stuff. It, it takes it takes a while to get them. And that, again, brings us back to this competitive disadvantage. Yeah, I think that's the exact kind of thing that we'll, we'll be looking at. Um, uh, in addition to the way that the battle pass works, we'll, yeah, we'll be looking at the, then how do I go back and acquire the, the heroes that, that have come out since I've been out of the game? Um, uh, I think that there will always be something there just so that we have some interesting sort of like, I always worry about a situation where you put someone in front of a game and there's like, you know, 50 heroes for them to pick from 60 heroes, 70 heroes for them to pick from. And it's like, I don't even know where to start or like how to get back into it. So like, there's always this kind of balance between easing people back into something or easing new players into something and like giving people the freedom to just like do whatever they want because like you might not believe it but like sometimes when you give people access to literally everything all at once they'll get overwhelmed and then churn out really fast because it's like i don't even know where to begin with this which is why tutorials usually kind of like ease you into mechanics or the, to different concepts and so uh, i don't know exactly what we'll do with returning players acquiring those heroes when they come back but that is something that we want to to like find a better balance for in terms of like yeah there's some there's some time spent kind of like easing yourself back into the game playing different things but then also like you'll have the optionality to to swap into something if your team needs it right cuz there cuz that is a, a balance that you I totally understand you have to make because on the one hand as you said it's very overwhelming like i can speak from my experiences of trying to learn uh, MOBAs and, and League of Legends, for example, you know, you yeah, kind of get exactly, in there yeah. and there's... 140 like, plus oh, champions, yeah. Right, and you have no idea. You're like, well, I'm not even going to touch like 10% of these. I'm going to touch like four or five. But then on the other hand, obviously, as we've said, if if Overwatch is, is well, it's different in the sense that there's swapping in the middle of the game. So you're naturally going through larger sections of the roster. And again, as we've said, if needing to pick one thing at a certain point in time is a competitive advantage, then obviously that's something you guys have to navigate, right? Totally. Yeah. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Like I, I, I worked on and played league for many years. And like, uh, if you look at my actual, uh, champ mastery in that game, there's like six champs that I play a lot and there's 140 plus that I just haven't really touched. And it's just, it's, it, it can be overwhelming. Right. So, uh, some people are totally fine with that. People who are, are like ultra hardcore latch onto stuff really fast. Like we don't want to hold them back any more than is necessary, but like we also need to protect people from this idea that like oh my god i have to understand 40 plus things today like that's that's a lot right although you know the flip side is obviously there's the dota approach as well which is like you know they have all the heroes but obviously that maybe maybe that's like a different vision for the game maybe they're a bit more hardcore in that way um but okay I, I would argue that dota is a little more hardcore than overwatch right. in terms of a, it's, it's a pretty hardcore game yeah that's fair that's fair uh <clears throat> that's totally understandable okay uh so we're gonna move on now from monetization to quick play because this is something that has been another 
contentious point recently, one that yeah. personally caught me by surprise, actually, uh, which is you guys have introduced a lot of quick play lever penalties now. Uh, yeah. So like there's a there's a timeout if you leave four out of out of uh, your last twenty and six out of your last twenty games it increases. Uh, so firstly, just your guys' note on these on on the penalties itself, and I want to ask a couple more questions about quick play itself, but just on the penalties, like what is the vision and 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 there seems to be a lot of negative feedback. Are you okay with it for the for the wider ecosystem of quick play? Yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, I have like a very specific viewpoint on this, which is I am extremely okay with it. Like the, uh, I think the increased penalties are, are critical to the uh, to the success of the game going forward. So I understand that I understand the like frustration that some people have with it. But um, uh, Overwatch is a team sport. Like it is more more than a lot of other games. Like this isn't a game that has super high solo carry potential, right? Like in a in a game with power creep as part of the the core loop, like. At the end of the game, you know, in a MOBA, if your top laner is like wildly out of control, then like you can just steamroll the other team, and and every individual person matters a little bit less, you know, in some of those games. But uh, in Overwatch, you, you know, solo carrying is like pretty tough, uh, and if somebody leaves, like the the potential impact to the overall game is is huge. And uh, I'm like a big basketball nerd, so I I tend to think about this in terms of like if you're playing a pickup game at the park or whatever. And if you, you know, you, you get these 10 people together, you finally get a game going, you're halfway through it, and then somebody, like, literally just walks off the court and walks on to some other court and starts playing with them, and then you're all sort of like, well, what do we do now? Uh, that sucks. That sucks for those nine people. And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it, it ends up working out better. Like, that person had a negative attitude, somebody comes in, and I've lost track of the number of times that then we've turned it around and won the game. But, like, it, it, it is not a good experience. And And, like, what we really want is, you know, uh, to acknowledge the fact that life happens. And so if, you know, I have, I have two kids, like sometimes they'll be in the other room and they'll throw up or spill something on the floor. Or somebody delivers a package, like that happens. And so, you know, if you need to leave every once in a while, it's okay. But like, if you're the kind of person, and we saw this a lot, where you were leaving the majority of your matches at some point, like the we had people that are like 90 plus percent leaving matches um, at, the, at the end, in the middle, whatever they, they felt like it, uh, that just creates... Uh, this like wave of badness for everybody else trying to play the game, right? And so, like, what I want to do is is ensure that people who have that sort of like more selfish take on, well, I can just dip whatever because who cares? Um, like that, those people end up, you know, not being able to do what they want uh, in the same way that they can now. And that the people who actually care and are like trying to work through it with their team, who are trying to trying to win, who are like, you know, just in this game to have fun because they're they can only play it for an hour a night and they're just home from work or whatever. Like I want them to have a good time and and if people can just dip that that is not allowing them to have a good time so i feel strongly that that we need penalties i don't think that we're exactly where they need to be i think that that's going to be something we work on over the course of you know the next few seasons but the immediate impact that those changes had was incredible like it, it was a massive change in our lever rates and uh and so i, I think it's just going to be net better for everybody so I, I understand the frustration but like i i feel really strongly this is the right way to go Okay, that that's really interesting to hear. That kind of holistically, you guys feel like Quick Play is, is operating better. Yeah, no, it one hundred percent is like 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 tens of percentages drops in in lever rates. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah. Which also leads to a a good philosophical question, which is that like, who is playing Quick Play in your mind? Like, what is the vision of what is Quick Play? What is arcade and and what is competitive? Like, who are the people yeah. playing the modes and what do the, what what are the modes for? Because people often disagree that like, oh comp is for this and quick plays for that. But what is your guys' vision? This is uh, I think super interesting and actually I bet that on the team there's probably a little bit of of like you know differing opinions here. But like 
what I hold to with quick play specifically uh, is that, you know, a lot of people like uh, creators or like hardcore competitive players, they're like, well, competitive is the game, right? Competitive is, is Overwatch. And I'm like, it's not. Uh, it, it is, it is, quick play is, is as much the game as competitive. And why I say that, because like more people play quick play than play comp. Like it is, it is the biggest of the cues. Like it is people, you know, it, it is Overwatch for a huge part of the community. And so I, I, as the, you know, EP for the game, need to protect that experience for those people who, like, only view the game through that one lens of, like, quick play is Overwatch. So people will, you know, I see people be like, you know, why are quick play games so sweaty? And I'm like, because Overwatch is a sweaty game. Overwatch is a competitive, fast-paced game, right? Like, it's not, it's not chill. Like, you can play Mystery Heroes and chill out. That's, that's like, much more casual. So I tend to view, you know, quick play and competitive both as sort of the core of what Overwatch is. And, um, and FU Arcade is a more casual sort of like, you know, uh, you can be there to goof off and have fun with friends, or you can be there to, to try out new stuff or, you know, whatever. But, um, but this, this opinion that like quick play is, is somehow like secondary to competitive is in my mind, not, not right. Like that's not what the game is. The game, the game is quick play and competitive and, and they're both, you know, they're both like, I, Maybe hardcore is not the right way to put it, but they're both pretty intense, and and you know, that that is what this game is. Right. So you're kind of putting them on a similar pedestal. Then, like, what what is that kind of the competitive? Is just like the notch up? Is that is that? Yeah. yeah. Fair to say? I think it's it's just you know people who who care about that sort of like uh, um, uh, that, having that rating applied to themselves, who always want to push it a little bit further. I, the way that I view it, I'll give you like my personal version of it, which is. Uh, I care a lot about feeling like I'm getting better at something every single match. Like I've moved from this sort of like extrinsic reward motivation where, and this is using nerdy game developer terms, but like extrinsic is like something is telling me or validating me for, for, for being good. Like I'm getting something from outside of myself for it versus intrinsic, which is like, I am playing the game because I want to feel like I'm getting better every single time. Or I am, I am validating myself for like this, this experience I had, like, oh, my aunt is getting better or like, oh, I learned how to do this thing with Reinhardt that I couldn't do before. Like that's that's the kind of thing that I play quickly for. So comp, I think, is more about like having that thing that is telling you kind of like how good you are, how good you are compared to where you were, how good you are compared to other people. It gives you something to brag about and like, you know, that that uh, that has like higher stakes. It's like a higher stakes version of quick play uh, where quick play is just the game. And it's just you, you are playing for for whatever your reason is. Mine is to feel like I'm getting better. Other people's is to have fun with their friends. It's, you know, it, it just depends. But yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't say it's like above it's just the motivation is different right that's very that's very very interesting so yeah that, that, i think that definitely affirms the idea that quick play is not for leaving because i think there has right. been this idea that like it's it's this very you don't really commit to anything when you click the quick play button you're just kind of like it's fine i'll play five minutes and then i'll leave but you guys are kind of of the feeling that no you're you're kind of you should have the the 10 minutes or whatever that it takes for a quick play game when you queue into yeah. a quick play game Hundred percent. Like this is the, this is not a game that has forty minute matches. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're jumping into quick play, the time commitment is pretty short. And so the, the expectation that I have and that you know we want players to have is if you're going to play in quick play, like be there for the match, dip after, that's fine. But like you know you're committing to these nine other people to see this thing through, and and like the four people on your team when you leave are going to be annoyed because they want to win, and now they're down, and that changes the dynamics of the match, and it's not okay. You know. Totally fair. Okay, awesome. Um, so we're going to move on now from Quick Play, and we're going to talk now big picture things. We've had a good little yeah. nitty-gritty of like current issues, but now I kind of want to talk about big picture things. You know, we've we've had a year now about to end, and it's potentially going to be a, a very changed year for Watch come 2024, but how do you guys reflect 
on 2023 for Overwatch because you know this was your first year as Overwatch 2. Uh, yeah. And of course, we spoke when you were just kind of launched the game. The so from now, yeah. So from now to then, kind of just big picture to start with. How does the team feel on the year that's gone by? Yeah, uh, I mean, the, uh, it's funny talking. Like, I, I always feel bad representing the team, right? It's like hundreds of people, and everyone I think has a bit of a different take. But you know, speaking as as you know the lead for the team and as someone who uh, um, uh, you know focuses a lot on like strategy and direction, the uh, the way that I feel about it is 2023 was wild. Like what a, what a roller coaster of a year on like just a whole bunch of different fronts. And like, um, what was exciting about it to me was when I joined, I joined like two weeks after the game launched or something like that. That was when I, I joined the team for the first time. And I came in with my own ideas of what I wanted, you know, the, the team to be focused on better communication, like more responsive, um, uh, balancing and updates for players. Like, like a lot of just like make the, the game, like a top quality live game, uh, uh experience. Um, and everybody else had different stuff. Like they, you know, artists wanted to make the, the best art. Designers wanted to make the most interesting heroes. Like everyone had their own sort of thing. But but where it all comes together is like we want to make a great game. We finish these meetings. We do three times a week as a team, and it's like hey, let's let's go make a great game. And everyone rallies around that that sort of like cry. Um, uh, and so uh, I view this as like the beginning of the journey of making Overwatch Two a, a, a great game. Like I think it's great today. I think it's going to be even better. You know, going forward. And if you look at how much it's evolved over the past year, like for me, it's kind of kind of staggering. Like it isn't a different game. So I'm not saying it's evolved in the way that you would come in and be like, I've never cared about Overwatch before. Now with these changes over the past 12 months, it's like a different thing I'm gonna try. I'm like, no, it's still, it's, it's Overwatch. But the way that we have like improved, the things we've learned from some of the missteps, like the, the ideas that we have for next year that build on the things that we've learned, like, it really feels like the beginning of this journey and like the first few steps that we're taking that, that feels super positive. Um, uh, where at the beginning of, of, you know, the year this year or at the end of last year, it really felt like that sort of like chaos of, okay, we launched a thing and now let's figure out exactly, you know, what to do and what our next step should be. And, oh, let's change a thing for season two and season three. Like it was just, you know, it was much more kind of like frantic. And now it feels like, you know, we've learned a bunch. We have a direction that we feel like is good. And there's a bunch of like hype stuff coming up next year that, that you know, uh, makes me super excited about where we're going. So, uh, sorry, a long-winded answer. But, no, but, yeah, I love but, like, to hear it. Back, it, just, it feels like the beginning of a, it feels like the beginning of a journey where, you know, the first few steps had some like positive notes and some, some negative notes. And now it's like, all right, let's go. Let's, let's just move forward. We know what the game is. Right. So yeah, it's good to hear that you kind of, you guys feel like you're coming into your groove now. Cause I guess for a lot of people, yeah. They expect Overwatch to be the, the culmination of, of of years of effort and work, and then it would like yeah. drop and be this game. But you know, maybe in in reality, it's kind of like, well, actually, you're just getting into the what Overwatch Two is supposed to be, and now you're trying to make that vision a reality. I think that framing is actually better than better than what I said, and much shorter. <laughs> so yes, thank you. But like, uh, I I think there, there's this misguided sort of like uh, uh, approach that that happens in game development sometime where it's like we have this idea that's going to be incredible. We're going to drop it on everybody and they'll all love it. And then we'll all just move on to the next thing because we will have created this perfect masterpiece. And, and you know, um, you, you see the shift in recent years where that that's not the approach. Games like Baldur's Gate, which is like un incredible. And I bought in, in early access, you know, what feels like a long time ago. Uh, uh, like that game learned from its community before it had its big official launch. And that launch went super well. For us, you know, there's this acknowledgement that like the, the idea that, that the team could build this like beautiful perfect thing that they could just kind of bestow on the community and then everything would be fine it's like that's not really how modern games work that's especially not how competitive games work like you really need to build the game along with your community and like 
uh, that's that's where we've been we've been focused this year. And so, yeah, it's interesting. It wasn't the culmination of a thing at all. It was, and I used to say this in meetings with the team. It's like this is the shipping a game is like the beginning of a marathon, especially a live game. Like this is where right. you know you need to settle in. You have to find your rhythm. You're gonna start going a little too fast at first, and then get tired, and then you gotta like step back. And you know, uh, uh, we're we're at that point now where you know we're we're a few miles into the marathon, and I feel like we're finally starting to hit our stride. That's that's great to hear. Great to hear that you guys kind of feel that energy and motivation, and and hopefully that'll reflect in in what you launch. But you kind of you mentioned Baldur's Gate, also amazing game. I loved every minute of it. Uh, yeah. That brings up while Baldur's Gate is not your competitors, there are obviously other games out there that are kind of seeking to exist in in the rough similar space as Overwatch. How do you guys see feel like you have performed compared to your competitors? You know, I I'll say you don't have to say that like you know Valorant and Apex, even Fortnite, such games, even you know even MOBAs in some way we compete with. Whatever yeah. you guys view as your competitors, how do you feel like you've performed against them? It was interesting because I was going to ask you who you think our competitors are. Uh, and, and I feel like you just named a few that, that uh, it's funny. I was like kind of reflecting on this myself. Um, and, and what's interesting is I don't really think that we have like specific, unique one-for-one -one competitors, right? Like in, in the marketplace, like Overwatch, you know, shares elements with a bunch of different games, but like uh, it, it feels unique. And so I, I don't want to cop out on the question, but just it, just to start it, like it, it really did feel like uh, for me that, like, ah, oh, there really isn't like a game that's exactly this. It's right. doing exactly this thing. And so, you know, when I think about Fortnite, it's like Fortnite is like the everything game. And and like Lego Fortnite, I played it before work today. Like it's it's great. Uh, it's it's wild. And like the way that they change their um their their entire like map constantly, the way that they introduce new mechanics kind of constantly into the game. Like Fortnite is awesome, but it's the everything variety game, which is not which is not us, right? But but we are both shooters, so I guess there's some overlap there. Right. Apex is like like. BR it's like speed br you know maxed out right like it's it's crazy movement traversal stuff it's like big open world stuff. like it's just it's it's it is i love apex it's just also very different from us and valorant which i also think is awesome and love and was playing last week like it's just attack shooters are a different thing right they're hyper strategic they're all about clicking heads before other people can click heads like um uh, it's a super stylish game like uh, which is which is rad uh, but just a very different vibe from ours like much more edgy um so all these games i think are awesome uh but but they're not they're not Overwatch like Overwatch is its own kind of a unique thing and so um, uh, it's hard because if I try to compare myself to like a Fortnite and I'm like well how is Overwatch compared to Fortnite I'm like well it's not I don't know it's different it's like comparing apples to Ferraris or whatever like I don't know they're, just, they're like different things entirely and so uh, I think I think we're doing like I, when I think about how the game is doing I think the game is doing well and I'm excited about the game and so I think about in the space that we occupy like I. I don't know, I'm super happy with it, but but I, I always feel weird about comparing us to games that are like they serve different motivations. They're just like different different things entirely. Because I'm like I, I don't know, like I'm not trying to steal players from Fortnite. I'm not trying to steal players from Valorant. Like I just like that all these things exist and people can be excited about them and, and get different things out of them. Right, and I, and I do think Overwatch, you know, the appeal of Overwatch, especially at launch, was this kind of new era of, of fps gaming where it was like so, so many different things that could bring you into the game you know i myself never played an fps game and came into it gravitating towards like the reinhardts and the winstons and obviously some people yeah. like the mercies and stuff so that's all yeah. great to, to hear do you kind of see a world obviously you know met there's so many different metrics for for measuring success right it can be player counts it can be monetization for some people like how much money the game is making or how sure. many views it's getting do you see a world where like overwatch is kind of like sitting up top of the Twitch category or, or YouTube is like, you know, trending videos are all or watch the way like Minecraft trends so often in like, you know, YouTube, just the general space. Do you see yeah. that as like a, a realistic vision for watch or is that not the kind of game that you're kind of trying to make? 
Uh, I, I mean, I so I guess there's two things there. One, I, I do see a world where that's possible, and you see it in some of our bigger events, like where where we get like pretty huge viewer counts and, on stuff like Twitch. And like, I don't I don't view Twitch views as like necessarily a like a the success metric or anything. But like knowing that people are engaged with your game is really important, and and so it is definitely one of our metrics that we look at. Like, are people like making a bunch of content about this? Are they interested enough and excited enough? Are people excited enough to watch that stuff? Like, um, so I I do view you know, kind of our future as having a bunch of opportunities to to be at the top of that list, right? So from uh, uh, plans that we have for next year that I, boy, the two things I was going to cite, I can't talk about. So there's two two pretty big things where I'm like, you know, these could like break out and be really big uh, and, and super fun. And like, I think, you know, there, there's a there there. Um, but I think to step back a little bit, you know, our goal isn't to to hit some sort of like, top of the market like we are the pinnacle thing you know like we right. want to make a great game and and like i think that that is a really interesting distinction because if our goal was you know have completely dominate the fps market like completely change the face of whatever like the way that we would go about that would be very different than what we're doing now and like we're so focused on like just make a good live game like just really focus on like being responsive being adaptive changing the meta in ways that, that people are excited about like just do those things super well and then you can build on that and grow. It's just a different approach. And so, right. um, uh, yeah, I, I, I love the game. Like I play all the games that, that we've talked about that are in our competitive space. And like, um, but but what we want to do is like make Overwatch the best version of Overwatch it could be. And then, you know, we have ideas for building on that that I'm really excited about. But like, you you don't want to go five steps ahead of where you are today, right? Like, just make sure you're still make sure you're still moving forward. That people are still happy with. Totally understandable. Uh, speaking of you know, trying to make a great game, then I, that leads me nicely to ask how you kind of, what do you think is your greatest success in the year gone by? And, and also, what do you think is the kind of area that you need to improve on the most? Like, so mm. what is the part that you guys did really well? And what's the part that you guys look back and think, okay, this is, this is where we need to really improve on going forwards. Cause j just to give a framing, actually, I remember last yeah, time yeah, when we spoke, you said that you kind of really wanted to make sure players engage more and feel like they want to play longer and, and complete the yeah. battle pass and feel rewarded for completing the battle pass. So, for example, is that yeah. something you guys feel like you've done? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, uh, I would be interested to hear your answers to this, by the way, at the end of it, because I, like, I want to know uh, what your take is. But, but um, for me, I, I think what I, what I really cared about at the beginning of the year was, you know, we want players to feel rewarded for the time that they spent. We want them to feel good about the game and how it's evolving. We want them to feel like it's alive and, and you know, responsive. We don't want it to feel like it's stagnant and sort of like, you know, the, the kind of like what happened at the end of Overwatch 1 when the team was split focused on PvE and PvP uh, is, is like my goal to avoid at all costs forever, right? It's the like, we need everyone to, to understand and believe and feel that like this is a game that's like, very well supported that that we are making changes kind of in service of them and so um uh when i think back about our what i view as our biggest success you know th there's like moments that stand out of like like well seraphim was like pretty sick and we didn't like we we were hopeful that people would, would like it and be excited about it but like you never know and so there's things like that where that popped off and we were like great <laughs> that's like that's a, that's really helpful for us to know going forward um uh, uh so yeah and, and like uh, it's specific hero releases like uh, you know Alari uh, stands out as one where where it's like God that, like what a great moment where just people were excited and it, you know Alari added something interesting to the meta like anyway um, uh, so there's very specific things but if I step back the really boring like you know project lead type answer that I'll give you is like 
I feel like we all just kind of got better at what we were doing, like over the course of the year. And that that feels really good. Like when you're leading a team, what you want is for that for those people to constantly be, you know, improving in their craft or you know, delivering better stuff or whatever. Right. And like, I'm not saying we did it perfect. We didn't. But like, uh, when I think about where we were at the beginning of the year, and I think about where we are now, like just how far we've come and how much we've learned and how much better we we are than than you know a year previous us like that that's that's the biggest success for me which i know is kind of a boring answer because i'm sure you no, wanted me to be I, like, no no I the get greatest it. thing was it. the battle pass or whatever it's like that's not that's not it. no it's good to note that like stuff like the seraph the seraphim collab i think the community feels the same way like the, the seraphim collab yeah. was really was really great before i actually talk about that a little bit more just the, the yeah. latter half of the, of the question like you know, what, what is kind of an area of improvement oh, go great yeah yeah like what do you guys um, feel like you could do better i here, here's what i the uh uh the thing that i believe is is true is uh that I mentioned sort of like this grand reveal. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but like the grand reveal idea where it's, we're going to make a thing in a long, for a long period of time. We're not really going to get any feedback from the community about it. And then we're just going to like drop it on everybody and be like, here you go. Hope you love it. Um, uh, we've got to get better about that. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about the big comp rework that we're doing and we've been getting more and more eyes on that and getting feedback on it and trying to understand what people do. Don't like about it. I think we're going to do more of that before it launches. Like, uh, uh, this idea that that like before progression is another great example of this. We dropped this big progression feature on the community, and we were like scrambling to get it done, make sure it was good, and then it, you know we got a bunch of feedback that that we could have sort of avoided had we just engaged with people much much earlier. Um, uh, you know, creators uh, who were under NDA and stuff, or like just by putting previews out into the game early and, and helping people see stuff before it, it goes live. We did that with Malga, and it was like a huge success, right? For us, it was it was big because we were able to get. Uh, balance feedback from from the BlizzCon thing that we did, where, where players can right. play at the show or at home, and like that was that was huge. And so I think that like proves the point of like we got to stop dropping features and these big things on everybody without any sort of preview or any sort of feedback moments, and get better about building the the game along with people and making sure that like you know we're never going to get it perfect, but if we can get it eighty percent, and then that last twenty percent is just like the polish that makes it really really sing been great but that i think that that's the area where that we've struggled the most and that we need to keep focusing awesome on. yeah i mean you call it the grand reveal i call it the beyonce approach of, of drop an album with no promotion um <laughs> yeah. but you, is there some sort of is there uh plans in the work for like ways of getting more active feedback before like things get too far along like is there any ideas the, yeah uh yeah so i uh i love when i when i get to talk to you and just say stuff that our pr team doesn't know about um that's me cool. too, I'm me sure too. they love it too. I'm sure that they really enjoy it too. Uh, uh, yeah, so I think I won't, I won't say anything specific, but what I will kind of hint to is uh, the way that we handled Nalga is, I think, the way that we should be handling most big pieces of content in the game, right? Where it's, it is a thing where we have an idea, we're getting, you know, it, we're getting internal and like external feedback from people about the direction, but it's usually like under NDA. It's like a, a smaller group of people or whatever. Um, where, you know, with Nalga, then we were able to go really, really wide with it once we were pretty confident in the direction. And then that informed a bunch of changes that we made before we even launched uh, the hero. And so uh, I want us to do a lot more of that. We have plans to do a lot more of that, but it's not just heroes. It's for, you know, potentially changes to the way the core game plays or to new systems that we might be releasing or to things like new modes. And so, you know, we have, we have plans for things that I won't get super specific about that are like giving the community early previews before we launch something so that we can be confident in the direction. Awesome. I, I like the sounds of that personally. Like I, I think the community anecdotally loved, you know, the experimental card. The PTR was, yeah. and maybe the exactly. dev side didn't feel the same way, but the PTR was really popular as well, I think. So yeah. uh, it was yeah, always P nice. PTR, 
PTRs are fascinating, by the way, just as an aside, like, because it's like, it, it, it ends, PTRs end up being a really small part of your community, but, but they are really powerful. So I'm not, I'm not like, you know, against PTRs at all. I think it's just us finding what is it, what is the best way for us to do that? Is it by hosting a PTR? Is it by putting something into the actual live game and just getting a ton of feedback and data about it all at once? Like that's where, that's where we're going to try to be learning more next year. Awesome. So we, yeah. to go back to what you mentioned there, the, your big kind of touching point was La Seraphim. Yeah, yeah. What what is kind of what can we expect? That was huge. I think you know we kind of started with One Punch Man, and that was great. Like as a someone who loves the anime, I thought it was great. But I know that there's a wider audience who maybe were like, "What is this? I don't know." Whereas the Seraphim has that next level reach. Um, yeah. I, we recently saw Apex collaborate with Final Fantasy VII, which I was very surprised by. That's very Same. cool that they would collaborate by like a whole separate game with you know made by a whole yeah. different developer. So what is on the cards for Overwatch in in terms of collaboration? I, I'm unless the PR team are gonna lose a couple hairs, I doubt you're gonna tell me anything specific. But is there any sort of big picture ideas of like what you aim for with these collaborations going forwards? Yeah, uh, uh, I would I would actually I would love to be able to just tell you what the ones we have planned are because we have a bunch planned for next year. The uh, uh, I can't though uh, for you know boring legal reasons and stuff. But like uh, I think maybe I mentioned this before, so sorry if this is repeating. But like. The approach we had with collabs is we wanted to line up a bunch of different partners that we we're, we as a team were excited about for different reasons, um, and uh, 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 and then see what players actually liked. Right, like there was a world where we released One Punch Man and people were like, "I don't care about anime collabs," and like, "Forget it, move on to something else." There was a world where we released the La Seraphim collab and people were like, "That eh, K-pop's not really my thing. Like, find something else." Um, and so. I think we've done a really good job of lining up uh, a set of collaborations for 2024 that are going to hit on a bunch of different uh, things that people, you know, may or may not love. There's a couple in particular that, like, uh, I personally, because I did, I had not watched One Punch before uh, before I joined the team, and then when I found out about the collab, I watched it and thought it was great. But like, that wasn't my thing personally. There's a bunch of stuff that we have next year that, like, personally, I am like extremely geeked out about and like uh, uh even up to last week we were like working through the details of one that we have coming up and it was just like so exciting that this thing that i personally love is going to have like a representation inside of inside of our game so um uh, i guess my my like takeaway would be we have a bunch of different collabs uh, uh i would love to collaborate with uh with other video games like i think that that is so cool when when there's like that crossover audience and they get to see something that they love and it's in this different form that they also are excited about like i think that that's sick um but there's there's other stuff too uh it's and it's you know it's it's not just anime and, and that kind of stuff we, we have a bunch of other things planned right so is that kind of like the, the goal is to kind of pluck from these different sources you yeah. kind of did anime his music maybe TV or movies or something and, and games are on the card too. So you kind of want to like engage, you know, if one collaboration didn't do it for a person, another one might do it for yeah. the next person. Yeah. I don't expect, uh, this is true of the game in general, but I don't expect everyone to universally love everything. Right. Uh, so there'll be stuff that we do in terms of collabs that some people will be like scratching their head about like, I don't like, who's that for? I don't, I don't really care. But then as long as there is a group of people that it's actually for and they're excited about it, then that's, that's dope. Uh, so so yeah, our goal is to really like keep trying different things, keep seeing what resonates with the community. And if something doesn't, that's good to know and we just won't do more of it. But if something does, then we'll find other ways to to kind of like double down on that and, and give people stuff that they could be psyched about. Awesome. I love to hear it. Uh okay, so actually another another big, I think, major point in, in the year for Watch was the Steam yeah. launch. I think I think certainly yeah. was was very, you know, people were very excited when it came out. And of course, 
you guys are well aware, Aaron kind of joked about it at BlizzCon that, you know, yeah. it became this thing where Overwatch became the worst reviewed game in, in Steam. Uh, yes. I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that you guys had like a good humor about it, but I think one these, this can be one of these situations where actually in the back end, it's a lot different than what we perceive as the public. And, you know, maybe people see these negative reviews or whatever, but in the back end, was it successful for you guys? Like, did it drive a lot of players to play Overwatch who weren't playing before? Or yeah. how did it hit? Yeah, yeah. I, I view it as a success. I mean, I think that there's there's like the, the two elements of it, right? It's like the, the goal with going free to play and the goal with, with going on platforms like Steam is to make sure that every player who wants to play the game has has the chance to play the game, right? Like, in, And it's really about like meeting players where they are as opposed to telling them that they have to come to these specific places to, to play. So, uh, so that that was always the goal, and and like you know, we're game developers, we're game players. Like I, I spend a ton of time on Steam, like a ludicrous amount of time on Steam. And so, uh, uh, when I think about if it was a success or not, like we brought a new platform onto the game, we we're able to bring a bunch of new players in to the game. We we're able to take players who were playing on other platforms, and if they liked Steam better, then they were like, oh, actually, this is where I play games anyway. And so, like we were able to, we saw some people shifting kind of where they were uh, primarily playing from. So, like when I step back. And I'm like, was it a success? Like the answer for me is is a resounding yes. Like it was it was definitely successful. Um, the launch of it was pretty smooth. Like we had a couple of minor technical issues the first three days, and then since then, I think it's been it's been mostly smooth sailing. So like, I feel really good about it. Like new players came in, great. Uh, the the other part of it were like you know players used it to voice their frustrations, um, and then a bunch of non-players used it to voice their frustrations. I think obviously as a developer feels terrible. Like it, you you never want to disappoint people, right? And so like. The team seeing all these negative reviews pouring in and seeing articles about how it's you know the, the, the most negatively reviewed game uh that part sucked like i'm not gonna lie that that was rough uh but but then you step back and you're like okay so you you know disregard for the moment these these people who you know, are kind of like jumping on other people's legitimate complaints and think about what we're able to do here and it's like a bunch of people that wouldn't have otherwise played the game are playing the game and like that's awesome and like we're, we're giving them this, this new hobby that they can love and, and be excited about and like you know, we're we're well past uh, that that launch window, and I think everyone now is just sort of like, yeah, Steam players are part of Overwatch. It's great, uh, which which to me that's is a awesome. huge win. Yeah, that that is awesome. I think that's probably exactly what you would want from a from a Steam launch. And I think, as they say, you know, hate is not the opposite of love, but apathy, right? Apathy is so the fact that people <laughs> yeah. were out there hating on it. Maybe you know, I'm sure it was very difficult, and my heart goes out to developers who have to deal with that. But you know, the fact that people were so motivated that they had to go in and leave reviews and stuff does tell you the cultural impact that watch has had and, and perhaps still has in some people's minds so yeah that's, I, that's I, I, I will always take i'll always take frustration like like well-meaning frustration and, and like constructive criticism over apathy right like if people if people stop caring that's a problem uh and if we stop caring about the critical feedback that's also a problem and so sure you know it was it was the tough part of those reviews is so many of them were just like dogpiling kind of like nonsense but but a lot of them were like legitimate you know concerns about the direction the game had taken and things people didn't like about it and like you know it's it's you filter out sort of the noise and then you get to the signal of like all right like look we, we still have things to work through here that that are like you, you can't tell players what to think like you have to listen <laughs> so that's that's what we did well i mean again that leads nicely and you know the idea of listening to players is kind of the elephant in the room pve right so oh, yeah this was obviously another reflecting on 2023 for Overwatch. This was the thing, right? This was meant to be the thing for yep. Overwatch 2. And obviously, uh, it has been discussed to death, potentially. But for a lot of people, it was the the you know the, the thing that they were most excited about. And in many ways, we've kind of gone dark on it since the launch, right? Like, we haven't really heard a lot about it from you guys. Yep. 
I know you guys said that you're kind of listening to feedback, but it feels, at least from my POV, it feels like you've you've gone, okay, no, you we're kind of putting that on the backseat. Maybe backseat is even too generous. Like we're quite, you know, we're, we're kind of, we haven't even heard anything about it, right? And nothing mentioned on BlizzCon. So I think me and a lot of other people are looking at it and thinking, well, what is the plan here? Like, is it, are we going to go back to like an Overwatch 1 type situation where it's, just expect an archive here or there, or is there still some bigger plan for the PVE? I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, I think I've talked about this a little bit, but, but just to say it, like, Overwatch Two is not going to be the everything Overwatch game. Like, it, it just can't be. I think that what we learned from you know the end of Overwatch One and trying to trying to build it, or what the team learned from that from that time period, was that like they they weren't really set up to be able to execute on that vision of like Overwatch Two can be everything. It can be this like always on you know frequently updated content machine that 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 kicks out a bunch of great pve stuff kind of at, at this like constant clip while also then building and supporting a, a pvp game that's constantly updated and like that wasn't going to work and, and it's not going to work for us and so you know when we changed our approach it was more about creating moments with pve and, and with co-op gameplay in general where it's like you know you get that break from from you know your like intense quick player comp matches and you get to step back and either you know, enjoy something that's that's just co-op with friends, or you get to learn more about the world, and you get these like cool hero interactions, and you get to learn more about the story, and that's really where we're leading into PVE going forward. So if you if you look at our approach in the back half of the year to PVE, you know, we we did uh, story missions and invasion, and then we've been trying a bunch of other stuff uh, while while we're working. So like you know, hero mastery missions coming out is like, what if people got solo PVE experiences that that they could dig into? Like, would they be into that? Like. What if we did stuff like Trials, uh, Trials of Sanctuary, where, uh, you know, you get to, uh, like, get some power growth over the course of a match? Like, would, would people be excited about that? So, you know, we, we have been trying different things with PvE, um, and that's going to be the theme going forward, is, is we're going to keep experimenting. You know, we'll, we'll try to find ways to, to, to move lore into, uh, into those experiences to give people who, who love the world and the story, you know, more of that to be excited about. But we also want to try these other things that are, like, smaller replayable things these like breaks from the action where you can you know have this very different experience so that that continues to be the the approach going forward so is it is it fair to say then because earlier on in the podcast we said that when it came to the pvp launch you guys are learning and you're kind of now at this point where you're you're in, you're in your groove and you know what you want to do it wasn't <laughs> at launch pvp or watch 2 wasn't writ, like you weren't like this is what we're going to do you're kind of learning and okay you're now like okay we're in a groove now we can make the vision for the pvp game is it yeah. fair to say that, you know, when you launched the PvE, you weren't, what you thought you were going to have wasn't what it ended up being, and now you're trying to learn again? Like, totally. well, what what do we totally. want to do with the PvE? Totally, because it was like, think about this 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 set of missions that had been built for a very different experience, right? It was, what was what was shown at BlizzCon 2019 is was not what we were going to be able to deliver. And so when we, like, stepped back and, and uh, stepped back and look at, looked at it, it's like, okay, then what is this going to be? So here's this, you know, form that we can put it out in. We'll try this approach to, to story missions and we'll see if it works. And uh, it, it worked in some regards and it didn't work in other regards. Like it, it worked in that, like we were able to give people, you know, uh, uh, this like cinematic, like really exciting and interesting set of missions to play through. But then when you look at it in the context of, of a live game, it's like, well, you couldn't drop three of those a season. Like it just doesn't work. Like we wouldn't have a, a we don't have a big enough team for that. We don't, you know, we don't have enough development time to, to to like build up that set of missions for it. And so, you know, those kinds of experiences I do think are important for Overwatch going forward. But like this this idea that like you know actually you know we're going to be able to do that every season is 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 like not it's not realistic. And so 
Yeah, when we went into Invasion, it was basically we were taking something that had been built for a different purpose and, and applying it in this different way as part of the live game and then seeing what happened. Um, and, and we learned a bunch from it. And so, uh, you know, I, I would love for us to do more stuff like that in the future. Right. Um, uh, but we also want to mix it up a little bit and see if we can find something that people like absolutely love and want to like constantly keep playing uh, within the scope of what we can do as a team. Right. And I think, you know, you've, got, you've already said you're kind of trying to engage various parts of the audience with your collaborations. And I think with the PV, while you've said that you don't want Overwatch necessarily to be a, a catch-all game for everyone, there is a large section of people who do like the PV a lot. And, you know, I, I, I will I will mention, because I was, I was asked this a lot, that, like, you know, for example, the PV doesn't progress the Battle Pass very much anymore. So I think, I think a lot of the PVE players feel a bit neglected. Like, they kind of really had their hopes up, and now they're starved a little bit so what could you say to maybe like reassure them uh I, I don't i mean there's nothing that i as a developer i think can say to reassure people right like i think ultimately we have to deliver stuff that, that they enjoy and so what, what i will say is when we put out things like uh, uh event missions or like yeah you know, we we did um uh, underworld as part of the the pve release uh, the response to that was actually really good the the like uh, week over week we saw people come back and play it when the modifiers changed like that was an area where we learned on something that was much more realistic to build and actually like provided, I think, some pretty good replay value there for people that then also you know progressed the pass. And so uh, that was one word that we learned from. What I want is for people who come in to play the game to get that, that, that value out of the time that they spend. And so where we have an area where it's like, hey, I just spent three hours playing this thing and I basically got no, no pass progress for it. That's something that we do need to to improve and, and like fix going forward. So I I want those people to feel confident that we're not going to make them feel like their time is wasted for sure because I, I know that that's been a frustration. Um, awesome. But but yeah but yeah we have, we have to try some different stuff there and just see like you know learn from the stuff that worked and and take from the stuff that didn't work and and you know avoid some of those things again. Right. That, that's totally cool. Gl glad to hear you guys have, are kind of noting these problems. And speaking of like a, a sort of core part of the community that kind of maybe hasn't had too much discussion recently uh, is like the workshop side of things. Like, I don't know if this is a question you can really answer, but you mentioned Lego Fortnite earlier. And, and you know, I think the whole game industry is looking at these kind of things. is like, wow, this is incredible what people are doing. Yeah. And the Overwatch workshop was kind of like the, the the starter wheels of that kind of a project. But is there any idea of something bigger like a full-on map editor or like a creative mode that really lets people dive deeper with the assets that are in a rush to make new things for themselves uh not to that extent like lego fortnite is is like absolutely incredible uh in terms of like what it what it is and the scope that it has like it is it is a big experience um so for us i think what we would want to focus on with workshop going forward is yeah, we were able to do a really cool event that was uh, with the mode created by a, a creator earlier this year in, in um, uh, the Demon Lord mode that we did for season five. And um, uh, like building on the tool set that we have so that we can enable people to make more stuff like that, that like is is bigger and more interesting and like potentially is like integrated as a direct part of our events or, or like our live game um, is sort of the thing that I would want to like get better at first. Overwatch, uh, the workshop in, in Overwatch has always been like, you know, uh, 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 really good for, for people who are like hyper invested in getting into the details. It's not particularly friendly to people who, who, you know, haven't used that kind of stuff before. And also, you know, it, it has some gaps, there's bugs in it and things like that. And so, um, when I think about where I'd want us to go with that, it's not to the level of like, you know, have this, uh, have a full map editor where you can do scenarios and scripting and all that kind of stuff, uh, like some other games have done for me, it's like, 
the the baby step there first is just make it more stable, robust, like make it make it something that we can like consistently use and, and even use to to build big events for the game. Um, if right. it goes anywhere from there, it'll be based purely on on like demand or need, right? Because say we have 15 people spend a year just making workshop like the greatest thing ever. And then, you know, 2% of the community engages with it. I'm like, that probably wasn't the right way to, to spend that time. And so, yeah, well, it'll be a little bit more iterative. It'll be a little bit, you know, uh, smaller in scope. And then if there's a bunch of demand, we'll build on it from there. Right, so what I'm hearing is workshoppers, you need to start getting the community rallied. You need to start signing some <laughs> petitions or something, get everyone to play all your workshop modes and create cool stuff. Uh, yeah, no, yeah and, and, and like, and to be fair, like I want, I want to bring more of that stuff into the game in, in, in like our events, and like I want to be able to feature creators uh, who like really understand and and make rad stuff in Workshop. I, I want to make them kind of front and center uh, uh, more next year than we did this year. So yeah, awesome. And yeah, and shout out to Cactus Puppy by the way who made the Demon Lord. You know, big yes. uh, and the whole Workshop community. And you know, I've kind of engaged with them a little bit, not as much as I would have liked, but they're really dedicated. And they're really you know passionate about what so it's. So it's awesome totally. to see. Uh, so my pretty much second last question, then the final one will just be, you know, a, a sort of summary for 2024, as it were. But um, yeah. what is the vision outside of Overwatch, like outside of the game? Uh, what is the vision for like the franchise of Overwatch? Like, is there anything that you're kind of keeping an eye on of like, okay, well, we want to think about, you know, people obviously, I won't even mention the Etflix show, the, you know, <laughs> I won't, I won't go say the full name, utter it. But you know, there's other things that people can do. You know, there's like spin-offs and whatnot. So is there any any ideas there? Uh, I mean, I think my boss is probably watching. So uh, in the interest of not getting fired, what I will say is very vague, but uh, but it's true. So what, what I will say about it is, uh, we we love Overwatch, not just not just the game Overwatch Two, but like Overwatch as as a franchise. Overwatch the, the possibility space for what it could be, right? Like. Seeing the response to the the like short anime episodes that we did uh, earlier in the year was was really great and like it, it's it's you know you never want people to be disappointed but what you want is for people to be like God why can't there just be more of that like, why can't I get more and more why couldn't this be a full series of like thirty minute shows or whatever like that's the kind of response that we want to see that helps us understand that there is a demand for that stuff out there and it's not just us being excited about these ideas of like hey what if we did this or what if we tried that so um, uh, what I can say is we have a bunch of really great ideas. There's a bunch of stuff that we that we want to do and are looking into doing, and it's a question of like, you know, which of those things become real and when do they when do they see the light of day? But like, I think it's really clear that you know, not only do we want to make more stuff in the world of of, of Overwatch, but the community wants more stuff in the world of Overwatch, and, uh, and and like, it would be my honor to be able to deliver a bunch of those things uh, to to them. So um, so stay tuned, and as we can actually talk about stuff, we will. But uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of amazing things we could do with a franchise this good. I agree. I, there's like so much potential. I think that's how everyone who loves Overwatch feels. It's just like amazing characters, amazing, vibrant world that people really yeah. enjoy participating in. So I think anything could be done and everything could be done. Actually, before I ask my just 2024 really, really, really quick yeah. answer, console, because I know my console homies, they're always feeling like, you know, they're a bit neglected. Any word yeah. on console, especially like zimming and issues like that, like any any note to the console community? Yeah, console is uh, uh, is huge in Overwatch, and actually, it's it's grown in Overwatch too to be uh, a massive part of the player base, right? So, like, um, uh, one of the things that's interesting about development teams that have been together for a long time is, uh, you know, they they build their habits, and and like Overwatch started as very much a PC thing, right, and then grew over time to be more and more console focused, and so 
um, over the past year, one of the things we started to do, and there hasn't been a ton of this that is that is manifested in the game yet. I mean, like Dead Zone settings and stuff have, have come out, but like uh, we haven't done as much for console players, or we haven't released as much for console players as we want to and are working on. So uh, I've talked about uh, you know on, on Twitter or whatever, like the the fact that we are working on Zim, we have plans there. The the thing where you're talking about like anti cheat uh, stuff is like you really can't say a ton about it publicly. Otherwise, the people who are developing those things will then know what you're doing, and then they will be ready to to like react. So like our our focus is, you know, we know where the problems are. I think there's there's two big categories. One is are people using devices like Zim uh, uh, for for console, and how do we prevent that uh, where possible? Knowing that it is a really tricky challenge, trickier than even I knew before I, I started looking into it. Um, and uh, uh, and how do we make the game like a great experience on console? There's a couple of things that I think are like really uh, uh, focus worthy for us. One is we still occasionally release bugs that are like pretty game breaking. Like the, there was a PS5 menu bug that went out um, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, I think it was time. Time means nothing to me anymore. But like recently, uh, that that was really bad, and and we should have caught. Uh, we, we we didn't catch. We introduced it uh, kind of unknowingly. And then the team responded really quickly and, and, and fixed it. But like as developers, we have to be better about like uh, uh, validating our own stuff, you know, and, and making sure that when we're implementing something, we're thinking more broadly about all the things that could be impacted by it so that we, we are consistently delivering a good experience. The other is usability on console. Like the game wasn't initially created to be like used on a controller, right? And so you still see weird little vestiges of that in the game um, that that are like, confusing or baffling or why do i have to hit this button 15 times to get to the menu thing that i want like there's just a bunch of little stuff like that right and so like we've just got to get better about those things so there's there's you know making sure that we're we're delivering higher quality on console consistently not introducing bugs that are unique to console that that like you know when something was implemented we didn't think about um and also the sort of like just making usability as good as it can possibly be so that console players feel like it's like streamlined like Getting into a game with friends on console is way harder than it should be. It is not. It is not easy today, right? And that's like a little basic thing that we just need to be better about. So the team already has a bunch of ideas for this that, that you know they are either working on or will be working on in the future, so that those players you know understand that we care about them as much as we really do. That, that's really awesome to hear. I think the console community do they just genuinely feel a bit like well, we don't we're second tier, you know, they don't really care. So it's really awesome yeah. to hear that there's all these issues that you've addressed, you're thinking about them, you're working on them. And I know you personally as well, Jared, I know you make a point to go and play on like different consoles yeah. so you so you get the experience of like I what do. it's like. So that that's something that hopefully gives you a bit of comfort, console uh console gamers that you know, especially Jared and many many members of the team I'm sure are actually like actively looking for these problems. So yeah, we, awesome. we have a bunch of people who are like primary console players. I, I actually primarily play on PC, but I try to every week at least play, you know, a bit on my, my PlayStation and my Xbox just to make sure I like understand the experience there. Awesome. Uh, I'm not the only one. That's really, really cool to hear. To hear. Okay, final question then. I know I've taken uh, the allotted time, but final question is just basically what can we expect for 2024? Like, is there anything you can tell us and or maybe just big picture ideas of like, okay, well, 2024, we're going to ramp it up. You know, I, I imagine you can't talk about like Microsoft, obviously, but you know, what is what is the vision for 2024? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. So we're, we're going to release more at the beginning of the year, but like just to just to give you something here, like uh, uh, 2024, like uh, you know, development takes longer than you would think. I think often the community is like, we'll release something, and they'll be like, this is in response to something that happened a week ago, and I'm like, that's not. This has been in development for like six months or more. Uh, 
uh, lead times are long. And so a, a lot of what's coming out next year is the stuff that we've been excited to, to change or add or fix from this year. And so, uh, you know, going into season nine, I think you'll see kind of the beginning of that where, you know, it's, it's, it's our major cop rework and, and, you know, like, uh, I, I believe is a significantly better experience than what we have today. I also know that we're going to learn a bunch of stuff that we have to adapt to from that once we, once we release it. So, so, you know, you can look forward to a bunch of big reworked systems like competitive and others. You can look forward to, uh, you know, a bunch more interesting collaborations. If that's the thing that you're excited about that, like go significantly broader than what we've done to date, which is, which is really cool. Um, uh, and then we have a bunch of really interesting gameplay stuff lined up. Like, uh, uh, you know, we could spend a ton of time on like event modes and temporary stuff that people play for two weeks, but like ultimately we have to find a good balance between those things, which add variety and are really exciting in, in the moment, uh, uh, and balance those against like constantly making the core game better and different. And I think that that's like so critical for a game like ours. And so another thing you can expect to see next year is a lot more experimentation with the core game itself. Uh, and, and actually we'll be talking about that stuff pretty soon. Because there's a lot that we want to do, and we've seen big improvements from things like group respawn and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, the the the, uh, the lever penalties have been another one of those. So we have a bunch of cool ideas for like just ways that we can mix up the core game that'll make it significantly better. So like next year, if you if you look back at the end of next year, you know if, when we're doing this again in 12 months, uh, uh, and we talk about the difference between 2024 and 2023, you know I hope it is the like. 2023 was that beginning of the journey and 2024 was like we were just full speed ahead just sprinting as part of that that race uh and and it should feel really really great awesome i mean i personally yeah i'm very encouraged by a lot of the things you said specifically about yeah how it feels like the team have kind of worked into their groove and you seem more sure about what you want and what you want to do i can tell that just from talking to you as well especially you know comparing our conversations last time was I felt I felt a lot more tentative last time. You know, you guys were obviously launching it a was. game and unsure of things, but now you seem to have learned lessons and you've kind of. I think I think one thing that we often forget is the community that, that so much of the team is new, right? Like or or, or hasn't been working That's on a rush for that long. So you're good. learning lessons, we're learning lessons, and hopefully they're all kind of applied to to make a better game. Or you guys like to say at the end of your calls, make a great game. Make a great game, yeah. I I think I think we'll get there. You know what I mean? Like I, I really believe that the mixture of sort of like. Overwatch development veterans, the new blood, people like me who've come in and been there for a relatively short period of time. I think we have a really good back and forth. And then when we add in all the community feedback that we get, I think we, we get a, a really well-rounded picture. We have a super solid core uh, uh, audience now that is like playing the game every single day. Uh, and so I feel like we're, we're like where we need to be to like really then catapult forward. So yeah, I'm excited about it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jared. I really appreciate you giving me this uh in-depth focus on, on all the things that are going on behind the scenes and, and i appreciate your candor and speaking in things that you know i think a lot of other game developers might shy away from so i always appreciate you kind of just leveling with me and, and kind of being honest and upfront and i'm hopeful that the community will appreciate that as well so thank you so much for your time is there anything you want to say before uh, i let you get going uh i wish i would have thought i'd shout out to team four for being incredible uh, i'm sure some of the folks on the team are watching right now but like just to say, it's been a it's been a wild year, and I hope that you all uh, uh, get some rest over the holiday and get to get to take it easy and come back refreshed. Um, and then also just shout out to the community, like to, to everyone who's creating content, like you, to everyone who's playing the game day in and day out, even if they don't watch any content or or, or see my ridiculous tweets or whatever. Like, like I just just thank you to, to everybody who who works on who plays the game, who's part of this community because it really is it, it's special and like totally unique in my experience in games. So so thank you.
Awesome. Yeah, shout out Team 4 and shout out to you guys in the community. Thank you, Jared, again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. And yeah, hopefully we'll touch base again maybe sooner than 2024. But, you know, 2024, like the end of 2024, we'll see and reflect. And we'll see, we'll compare our yearly chats of how we're watching coming along. We'll both be older and, well, hopefully more distinguished. You can you can just check the gray in my beard compared to last year to see, you know, kind of, kind of how it's been going for me how it's aging you kind of like when obama was the president he just like aged really fast <laughs> so we'll see if jared the toll takes on you but thank yeah. you jared. I, I, there's no way i'll be as distinguished as that but yes thank you very much and no, thank you for i know you've got, really got places to go so thank you so much man have a great rest of your day peace out